0: Hi everyone, it's Natalie Jean, it's Natalie Jean. Today on Chatting with Nat, we have singer-songwriter Camille Rose. Camille Rose is a singer and songwriter who grew up in San Francisco. She worked alongside vocal coach Lynn Asher and multi-platinum Grammy-winning producer Narada Michael Walden from the age of 10. Now based in Los Angeles, Camille continues to record singles and perform locally. Throughout her musical career, Camille has leaned toward performing alt-pop while including R&B influences. She places high importance on diversifying her sound and experimenting with mixing genres, while also evoking emotion in her self-written lyrics. All right, let's give her a round of applause. How are you? Thank. You. Good. How are you? Thank you so much for that
1: wonderful introduction. Yep,
0: yeah, we have to make you feel warm and fuzzy. You know, my little clapping can't do it, and we may, we need to make sure that during this entire time, through the crisis that we have all faced during the past three years, that you at least feel warm and fuzzy on chatting with Nat. Absolutely. So how have you been during this um, entire pandemic, cray-cray type of situation that we've been dealing with here?
1: I will say as a person that really feels like performing is their lifeline, like I always joke and say performing is like my crack, that that's been the hardest part is not being able to perform on stage and get that rush of talking to the audience, performing with an audience present. That's been the hardest part. But I will say one positive thing, it's forced me to kind of really look into my writing and make sure I'm bettering myself as an independent artist, not just as an onstage performer. Right,
0: right, 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 right. Yeah. So the the pandemic has really opened the eyes uh, for a lot of people. And the next question I ask of everybody. um, So during this time, there's been points of self-reflection. We've also looked out into the world to see how our friends are, who our friends are. Should we keep them? Should we not keep them? Um, The past two years, the past six years has been what we could say um, a cluster F. It's just been very funky. (laughs) And so, you know, when we look internally and we look outwardly, we see so many different things. Like for example, you know, during the pandemic, I was shocked to see so many families walking with their their children, because before the pandemic, I hardly actually ever saw any of that. You know, if you believe in climate change, I always say it that way because I don't know what everybody believes in. Um, The animals were like, oh, my God, there's nobody in the street. They actually said the pollution level went down. Mother Nature was extremely happy. And Mother Nature was like, oh, my God, this is is just wonderful. I can breathe here. Um, People And I read two articles already on this. But a lot of people have quit their jobs. They realize, you know, money is not the important thing. They need to be happy because what the pandemic did is it opened our eyes more to the fact that life is extremely short. Pandemics say, yeah, it's a hell of a lot shorter than you thought. Um, You know, we look at the pros and cons. Yeah, there are pros and cons of the pandemic. You know, the cons are obviously people died, people got sick, there were amputations, there are all kinds of things that happened, but people actually realize a lot of things, I know that people that cut back on their work because they realized they weren't spending enough time with their family. People decided, oh, you know what? They're fully going to invest in their own passion. They're going to invest in themselves. So as artists, you know, we really uh, reflect about the type of person we want to be perceived as, what kind of music we want to bring forth, you know, um, and some people decided to rebrand. Some people try decided to stay the way that they are. But then some people totally decided to, Um, just go in a different direction. So during this time, did you self-reflect, and did you change anything about how you want to be perceived as an artist?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that going through the pandemic at such an impressionable age where I'm finding myself, figuring out who I really am, not only as an artist but also just as a human being. Um, And I would say throughout high school, just kind of in general, I really – Realized that my music was something that I could use as my therapy. And I was always really sensitive about my writing. And as Erykah Badu says, I'm an artist. I'm sensitive about my shit. So I would never share my writing with other people. Amen. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. But I had a teacher in high school who one time sat me down in my rock band class and was like, okay, Camille, we know you can do covers. So it's time you perform your own music. And, right. unfortunately, that happened not too, like, not too soon right before. So I was really just starting to get into that groove of writing music and performing it. So throughout the pandemic, I wrote a bunch of songs just reflecting on my social life, my love life, my friendships, my relationships with my family, with myself, with my mm-hmm. house. And right. I really feel like it was a time where I got to grow a whole lot as an artist and, and as a
0: lyricist. And, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. We, you know, sometimes we ask, oh, my God, I just need to do this. I just need time to be able to do this. And sometimes this happens in weird weird ways. Now, the FedDev was one was one weird way for people to actually do a lot of realization, get a lot of realization in their lives. Like, for example, myself, I've been at my job for 15 years. I quit to do music full time. Not that I have the money to do it. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, I'm going to do it. Let's see where it takes me and stuff like that. So, kudos to you for doing the things that you're doing in your life. Now, how important is it for you to be authentic in your music, in your songwriting? I would say it's the number one thing.
1: And I, I say this all the time when somebody asks me, Oh, what genre does your music fall into? Right. Or what kind of artist or what kind of musician are you? And, Every time I respond with the same thing, which is, I think genres are bullshit. I don't think that any artist created the concept of a genre. I think that was created by marketers used to capitalize and build off of music to use it as a product and not as a true art form. I think that art is entirely subjective and that authenticity is the blood of music and of art in general. And if we don't have authenticity, then what kind of art are we really
0: consuming? That's right. And I love you already. So I'm glad to that because, you know, a lot of people used to come to me and say, well, what's your genre? And I'm like, I'm an artist. I create. No, but what's your genre? I say, I'm say i an artist. I create. Cause I'm a multi-genre person. <laughs> right now I focus on Americana, although I've just released several pop songs, but my focus is Americana. And I'm just like, why do we have to be, why do we have to label ourselves with a particular genre? It's just crazy to me because right oh. now, as you can see, indies and maybe some mainstream artists, we're not making money from our streams unless you are, You really have the biggest budget to push your music. So how else can we get our music out there? What? We can get it into thinking and licensing, you know, trying to get into documentaries, whatever. That's where the true money is unless you are a touring uh, artist and you're selling your merch and selling big tickets and stuff like that. So being a versatile artist, Writing in many different genres gives you a bigger avenue to get your music out there. And if you do them all, hell, that's great. Good for you. And I agree with <laughs> you. we labeling people in their genres. And the Recording Academy said this to me. They said they found that it's more difficult to know how to where to place some of the submissions because a lot of people are meshing the genres together, which is a beautiful thing. Because we can't yeah. say so fixated okay this is the genre and this is the genre music has to evolve evolve even if we create our own damn genre that's a beautiful thing because it's something different i think a lot of the people out there radio stations that inundate us with the same type of music is crazy what people are seeking is they want something different they want something that's like oh my god how did they do this how did they put the words together this is amazing you know, even with stuff like TikTok, said the, the videos are, that are uh, the most impressive or gaining more views are the people that are authentic, people that people can relate to. This is what people yes. are seeing. They want somebody that they can go to, like artists like you, like me, and other people that I've interviewed that make them feel like they could call us up and say, girl, you know what? I'm going through this thing. Your music, your song gave me the best feeling, and it got me through that. So kudos to you. I love the fact that you're like. Dude, I don't have to be a genre. That's awesome. Now, what was, what was it about the music industry that gave you that aha moment where you're like, okay, music is me? Was it something that you saw? Was it something that you heard? You, what, what was it that gave you that, oh, my God, i got to do this music thing?
1: I feel like in certain ways I never had an aha moment where I knew that this was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life because I feel like I've always known But at the same time, I feel like I have those aha moments almost every day when I step on stage and I feel the love from the crowd or I I feel that burning sensation of the lights, way too bright lights hitting my face or I finally get a hook that I love or I hit a new high note when I'm belting. I feel like all of those moments kind of encompass why this is what I live, what I eat, what I breathe, what I sleep, what I try to just completely and totally embody. Um, and I would say I definitely have a lot of influences um, from when I grew up. Music was always in my household. another of my parents are musicians, but music was always really, really important and was always being played. And Gwen Stefani has been one of my biggest influences since I was way too young to be singing some of her <laughs> lyrics. Um, but she was somebody that really embodied <laughs> mixing genres and not being conformed to right. one small, tiny box.
0: That's true. That's true. If I think back, because I'm old as dirt. Yes. <laughs> she did mix all those. I like that. Yeah, no, she did then. So I love her for that because, you know, we just, we need new sounds. Cause if you just turn on the radio, it's like, okay. Yeah. It seems like I've heard that before. I'm kind of done with that. Now, what is your musical background? Um, and how was it working with Nap- Nap- Narada from a young age?
1: Yeah, so my original musical background actually did not start on stage with singing. So my parents always say that growing up, I was singing before I could talk. I was just kind of lyrically speaking complete and total gibberish. And as I grew up, those turned into songs about nature or songs about the car. Um, But when I was around five or six, uh, my mom, took me into a Hawaiian and Tahitian dance group, and that was where I first got the taste of being in the spotlight, being on stage, surrounding myself with music. Um, and I just kept singing and kept performing, kept dancing at summer camps. Any, anything my parents could find, any stage, any microphone they could find for me, they would always be supportive and help me get there. But when I was nine, I was singing at a summer camp in uh, just north of San Francisco, And my vote who is now my vocal coach Lynn Asher saw me singing and she just happened to be there that day when I was singing karaoke and she flagged my dad down at the pickup line and was like, Oh my God, your daughter needs vocal lessons. She has this talent and I want to help her hone it. And so she was an angel who helped me really come into my own as an artist. And when I was 10, that's where she introduced me to Narda and I was, the youngest one out of all of his foundation singers. So the Nardo Macawalden foundation had a group of in between five and 10 foundation singers that were all within the ages of like 14, 15, 16. And then there was 10 year old me. So just starting off. And, and he really, really took me in and took me under his wing and showed me, this is what it's like to have a professional rehearsal. You have your lyrics, you have them annotated on where you're breathing, on how to completely and totally emulate the artists that we're covering, how to respect other people's time. And mm. growing up in his studio and doing multiple shows with him throughout my prime growing years really prepared me for here and now, which is trying to break into the music industry on my own as an artist you know, right. I feel like I was kind of a back backup singer and background artist from 10 through 17 until so he gave me my own solo song in one of his shows on actually my 17th birthday. Songs with him and and recording my own song with him was like a breakthrough because he had been such this huge supporter for so many other amazing artists like Whitney Houston and Aretha Franklin and Mariah Carey and seeing all of those gold and platinum records up on the walls, I was like. I want to do that. And if I'm here in the same studio that they sang in, I don't see why I can't.
0: Exactly. (laughs)
1: No,
0: I agree with you. That's the best way to think about about things. Um, What do you love about being an artist?
1: I love that being an artist is a field in which it applies to every single avenue of life. I love how, I can connect with another artist regardless of their artistic medium, and I know that we share a passion for subjectivity, authenticity. It's something that is so widely universal that it breaks, it breaks boundaries beyond languages. I feel like different types of art is something that can be interpreted by everyone and anyone in different ways and sometimes in the same ways as well.
0: That is so true. Um, What was it like going to a high school designated for arts, the Marin School of the Arts?
1: Yes. So I went to, um, I spent all my schooling years up until high school in a small town just north of San Francisco called Mill Valley. And my mother actually moved to a town called Novato, which is a few miles north of San Francisco, so that I could attend Marin School of the Arts. And I really feel like if it hadn't been for going to that school, I would probably still trying to, as they say, find myself as an artist. It was at MSA that I got to explore my love for theater as well and for acting. Um, I really got to make awesome connections with photographers and discover modeling. And I got to continue to dance just as I did as a child. But what I really got to focus and zero in on was my passion for singing and songwriting. I realized there's not anything on this world that I'm more passionate about than singing, songwriting, performing and being the best musician that I can be.
0: Yay! Um, <laughs> and, and that's awesome because, you know, one of the things, we always are constantly, uh, because music is always evolving, we are constantly learning because there's always new ways to do music, new ways drive you crazy at the same time but at the same time you're like oh my gosh I this is going to be a lot easier than I thought so that's (laughs) very wonderful what is your writing process like and if you get writer's block how do you deal with that
1: my writing process is wildly inconvenient to my everyday life (laughs) it's the first thing that I would admit to doesn't matter if I'm showering or if I'm in the middle of math class or three o'clock in the morning and I was trying kind to of sleep. If there's an idea that hits me across the face, I have to write it down. I carry my song books with me everywhere I go. I have two different ones. I have one that has like the final versions of songs so that I can remember the structure of everything. And then I right. have kind of a scrappier, messier book where I can just draft what I'm thinking or just write random lines. Um, because I worry putting it on my phone. If I lose my phone and I lose all of my songs, it's like heartbreak and a total and complete nightmare. <laughs> oh
0: my god, that would drive me crazy. Now, do you ever deal with do you ever deal with writer's block? Um, I would
1: say yes. I think it kind of presents itself differently to me than it typically has for some of my other friends that also songwrite. Writer's block to me is kind of like a break in which new ideas are flowing so freely. So I honestly never feel like there's kind of a space in time where I'm not thinking of anything where I don't get any ideas. It's right. like half baked, half finished ideas that I can't seem to completely and totally tie up and finish up and
0: really polish. For me, it's like when I have to, when I'm forced to write a song, Nothing will come on. Me. I will. I'll throw words on the page. And I not have a theme. I usually like to start with the chorus. But I'll literally stare at the computer or my piece of paper or my journal for hours and saying, "Why isn't anything coming through?" And I literally have to walk away. And the next day, something will just fly flow through. And then, and then, um, I said, "Oh yeah, yeah. Why couldn't I have done that yesterday?" Um, then everything flows through. It's just the weirdest thing. But as I always tell everybody. The shower is my best place to create anything. Um, it's crazy. Oh, totally. I mean, somebody told me because the water is soothing, you're by yourself. You're not by yourself. I don't know. But you're by yourself. <laughs> and you just have that freedom. You're so relaxed that, you you know, you're just enjoying the moment. And then the music just flows. That's why I tell everybody, I'm going to create a waterproof gadget that takes away the noise of the shower. You press a button. Boom, bam. <laughs> and you're there. I mean, you can have your... Phone on the side. Well, I don't like that. I want something that I can just boom. You know, the music. I can just say, you do it, let me just sing. It's right there. Because when you don't have something like that, you get out of the shower. You're trying. First of all, you're in the shower. You're trying to remember. Then you come out of the shower and you just right. start the thing over and over again. If you don't have your phone, you got to run down. It's just crazy. But yeah, uh, the shower. In is... The,
1: in a the- way, when you're when you're in the shower, it's like that's your most authentic self, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, see, you just nailed it. You just <laughs> nailed it. Oh, my gosh. Now, we're going to play your song, Reputation. Tell us what that's about.
1: Sure. So, Reputation um, was a song that kind of came from a bunch of those half-baked ideas that we just talked about. So, um, one of my good friends and amazing um, musician himself, Christopher Kenji, who has his own music out, Um, He helped me with production, telling him about these half ideas that I had and this one hook that I really, really wanted to just surround my entire song by. And he was like, okay, I think I understand. told him this is the story. um, And he's like, okay, I think I got it. He came up with the track within a few days. And then he came over to my house, brought over his recording equipment, and we just pushed through and recorded the entire song and I wrote the entire song within five minutes and the whole whole set took about 12 hours for us to finish and completely polish the entire song.
0: Wow. All right. Let's it. very groovy. Very, 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 very groovy. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. You could shake everything to it. Um, And I like the way you, you infuse. I mean, it could be, it's like a rock pop. Dun, 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 dun. So, I see, and you you have a great voice. Um, I Thank you so much. I could literally hear that song in a film or something, or even a TV show. Um, have you thought about, do you look into uh, thinking and licensing and stuff like that?
1: Yes, I do. Yeah, I a very important lesson that I had been taught was to, of course, make sure everything that I write is copyrighted and completely and entirely owned by me in the event where it was to be used um, in a movie or in a TV show and actually my new release that's coming out in the middle of November is going to be put in a film that some California Institute of the Arts students are nice. producing.
0: Awesome, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. See, you're doing your thing. That is pretty damn awesome. Now, if you, <laughs> Thank you. which do you prefer? Do you prefer an intimate setting? or do you prefer a large audience to perform to and watch?
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. I feel like I haven't thought about my presence before. I think it kind of depends on the set that I'm doing. If there's, I think that there is something to gain from both of them. I would say that I'm most of the time more partial to a bigger audience and um, more people in the seats and in the stands just because I feel like there's more people that I can connect with, with my music. And I think that it's more people that you can, you know, make a positive impact or a positive impression upon. But, I mean, at the same time, a smaller, more intimate setting, maybe you could make a larger impact on less individuals.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I I love being on a big stage because I can move around a lot. Uh, But I do like the intimate settings when I'm with my band because, you know, you can see everybody's facial expressions and stuff like that. And you you can get, for me, I I think I get more of a vibe from the more intimate um, sessions. Now, um, do you like to collaborate? Do you collaborate with anybody? Yes, I do. Yeah, I love collaboration. I feel like that's part of
1: what makes an artist better. And there's always that, feel like there's this kind of voice that's in the back of my head that I've really seen this happen with other people I've collaborated with throughout Mm -hmm. high school and now in college where you can be the Mm -hmm. most talented person on the planet, but if you're not able to collaborate, it's almost not really worth anything um, because I think collaboration is a really, really rich experience. Um, And as as I mentioned before, Chris Kenji is someone that I collaborate with often on production. He helps me a lot with my next single coming out cruise. Um, He helped me with reputation. He produced it. He mixed it as well. Um, And I think that there's a lot to just learn from another individual's experiences and their opinions as a musician. Now,
0: are you studying music anywhere now?
1: Yes, I am. Yeah, I am a digital music production major at Whittier College with an emphasis in vocal arts, and I'm also majoring in business.
0: Good for you. Now, I'm glad you talked about business. So one of my friends, uh, she uh, is the manager for her kid. He's not a kid. he's over 20 years old. Um, for this man, the guy. <laughs> um, and one of the things we agree, he goes to the school of uh, Berkeley in Boston. And one of the things we agree is that when anybody's trying to get into music business or getting a degree in music, they should study the the. The business aspect of it, like learn everything about agreements or anything that's going to be thrown at you if you're going to try to pursue a career. It's because when somebody brings something to you, and they will, because they seem to latch on to everybody, whether they're legit or scam scammers, um, you want to know as equal as they do or more, so they can they, right. so they can say what you you really know this stuff. Uh-huh. You'll see how fast these people pull back and not and try not to push you on things. I think it's integral that people really need to understand agreements because people, you know, you sign these agreements, they can they can take away your rights to everything without even your knowledge because a lot of times people say, okay, they'll glance over something, they'll find it, and then later they realize that they just gave away their life. And that's true.
1: Absolutely. There's a show called Unsung. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but my dad would force me to watch the show as a kid and even now. Where he's like, you need to watch this episode because it really, it's sad. It outlines how certain artists have lost their rights to their songs
0: yes. and what
1: happens to them.
0: Exactly. I mean, BH1 used to do that. I don't know if they, I don't even know if BH1 is still on. behind the music. But um, when you watch right. yes. vh one behind the music, you become totally shocked at what some of these artists went through. The one first thing that comes to mind is TLC. Uh, they talked about I was about to say the same thing it's yeah, shocking exactly. I mean they were on top of the charts they were broke exactly and they were broke it's <laughs> like because a lot of the artists they advance so the companies advance the money but eventually that money has to come back to the company and stuff like that and a lot of these artists they just spend 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 and then after a while I mean there's like uh they have nothing left and they have nothing left and they have and then they have all these bills so it's just what? really it's, not, it's, it's just bizarre it's just shocking now you have type 1 diabetes so how does this affect your musical career yes
1: yeah, so as a type 1 diabetic when i was diagnosed um it was 24 hours before opening night of a show that i was starring in. It was a local play. I was 12 years old. It really wasn't something that was of great importance to anyone outside of myself and my immediate family. Um, But it ended up being one of the most important shows that I had ever done because instead of being hospitalized for five or six days, as the doctors recommended that I should, being the stubborn child that I was, I refused. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm Tinkerbell in Peter Pan. I'm also the narrator, and I have to go and do the show. And they, you know, doctors would try to say, oh, you don't understand. Like, this is a really serious, this is a life-threatening condition. We're trying to make sure that you stay safe and healthy. And it was literally from that moment on that I decided there would never come a day in which type 1 diabetes would ever affect my musical career or what I want to do as a musician going forward. And the only impact in which I would like it to have is a positive one. So if I get to the point where I have this platform where I can uh, really speak to a large audience or I have the funds to set aside um, a little collection to build up a foundation of education for um, adults and children with type 1 diabetes, that's what I would like to do. And I told my parents about this growing up where I always said, I want to give back to the community that raised me and helped me become a stronger woman. And that was the diabetic community.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? That's moving. It's good when we can give back. Um, you know, with yeah. this music, we want to give back to the different organizations, female organizations, charitable organizations out there, you know, they're helping young women and also the men that support uh, the women. We don't like to leave the guys out. <laughs> of course got to put them in there somehow so we tried to put the the men and the brothers that support the the women in the music industry but these people are very very important now you have an upcoming single called cruise right and uh tell us a little bit about that we're just going to play a little piece of it yeah
1: of course um, Cruise is a song that really capitalizes off of my jazz training that I got throughout high school and throughout working with Narda as well. Um, it really shows the impact that Amy Winehouse and Nina Simone have had on my vocal technique and especially on my lyricism. Um, and I I wrote this song in similar to Reputation in about in about five to ten minutes, but wow. the emotion of this song and of the writing really came all at once as a full-fledged idea.
0: All righty, let's play a little... (laughs) Jumbo. I like that. <laughs> I love that. So let me tell you, one, jazz is my first love. I grew up, um, I, you're probably too young for this, but I used to watch Sanford and Son, and he used to imitate uh, Lena Horn and Stormy, Stormy yeah, Weather by yeah. Lena Horn, and I just love that song. And my first love is always, oh, I just love the jazz genre. Um, and then you mentioned Nina Simone. And let me tell you something. I didn't know about Nina. I probably heard her songs, but didn't know who Nina Simone was until maybe, let's say, four or five years ago. And completely fell in love with her uh, because uh, <laughs> she was very gifted. Number two, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, she knew what it was, would she know what was, she what was meant to be an artist. She knew the definition of that because when she performed she wanted people to sit down and listen. She would tell people to sit down and listen. Hell, she would tell people to shut up and listen. Sit down and listen and (laughs) stuff. Literally stop a show if she heard anybody talking. And that's the kind of respect that all of our all of us artists need in this world. I refuse to play uh in a situation where there's background noise, I won't do it anymore. Like TVs and all this kind con- No, not doing it anymore. Because we have to have the respect of the audience. It takes a lot of money, one. Create a song. takes a lot of time and effort. So people need to start appreciating what we do, unless you want to be background noise. That's up to you. I personally don't want to be it. Um Also, you know, the number very advanced in, you know... Uh, Doing message, uh, a social impact message songs. Uh, she wasn't afraid. She was fearless in, in her songwriting and uh, singing. So kudos to you to looking up to Nina Simone. Ah, Thank you. Her. Now, what is one thing you wish you had known before you got into the music industry? I wish
1: I had known how tight of a grasp capitalism has in the music industry. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I had no idea growing up as a young kid that I would have to study business in college right. in order to even have a position within the music industry to even be considered without being completely and totally walked over. I thought that I could just sing and perform and write and it would be enough. And it's not, which is okay, because I'm the type of person that likes to work for what they want, that you really feel like you're validated by being able to truly is a shame, though, like just talking about genres, like a genre, as we mentioned before, was not created by a musician or any kind of artist. That's one of the most well-known, I would say, aspects of music is the categorization of what is supposed to be subjective. Right. which is completely and totally, in my opinion, offset by by people that are just trying to market and profit and turn right. music and art into a business.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. There is, You know, one of the things I tell people all the time to decide before you even start doing music is, like, what type of artist do you want to be? Are you the artist that's only doing this because you want to achieve fame and money? Or you are you the artist that's trying to make a difference, they're trying to affect a change in somebody's life? Um, because those are right. two different
1: I think that's the that's the difference between someone who sings or someone who paints or someone who dances and the right. an artist. You know? That's an artist is somebody that does it because that's their entire bloodline yeah. is and that's what they live and breathe for. But someone that yeah. sings or someone that dances or someone that paints is doing it like, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this thing. I can make a profit off of it. Completely different intentions. It doesn't really affect your talent, but it can absolutely affect how well you connect with an audience if they recognize that that, in, that integrity, that authenticity
0: isn't there. No, I completely agree with you on that. And it's funny that you say that because sometimes when I'm watching people dance or dancers or whatever, I can see the person – because I can dance. I mean, I can really dance. And I can – I can see the people that can actually dance compared to the people that are dancers. Okay. They're, they're given cues, they're given choreography and they can do the choreography. But when you watch them, you can't feel it. And then there's some right. real dancers that when you watch them, my God, dance is just them. It, it, it just flows and oozes out of their body. You can see it. It's just like artists. Okay. So I'm a voting member with the Recording Academy, and right now it's all about ballot seasons, and and people are sending me your music. You want it. and one of the things that I do when I listen to music is I I try to see the artist's soul in it. If I can't see or feel your soul in your music, it's not going to work for me. It's just it, right. it just like now when I listen to music on the radio, um, I always I don't listen to the melody as much as I, I try to listen to the lyrics to see how that person came up with the lyrics and how they're singing it. Are they really feeling what they're singing or are they just singing it because their record company told them to sing it? You can tell the difference when somebody really loves the song that they're doing. <laughs> you can oh, tell absolutely. the difference. And, you know, those are, I mean, those are the people that I just gravitate to You can, where you can just like, oh my gosh, where the person can literally bring you to tears or, Bring you, you have joy or even can make you angry. They can evoke an emotion out of you. You have done your job. You have done your job. Totally. You know, um, what is one of the things you'd like to debunk, a myth you'd like to debunk about the music industry?
1: I personally, a myth that I would like to debunk about the music industry is the concept of versatility. I think uh, that saying that an artist has versatility or has no versatility is uh-huh. not really a term that should ever be used um, because I think all artists are versatile in a sense where if you look hard enough you can find five six different musical influences within just one song and even <laughs> if it is bubblegum pop or it's hard rock there's you're going to hear the quote-unquote versatile Um, influences that that person grew up with, whether it's in their writing, in the way they perform it live, in their breathing techniques, even just listening to their catch breath that they take, comparing them to other artists and hearing, oh, they really are influenced by that person. I Mm. think that all artists deserve to be deemed versatile, and I don't really think that it should be something that's used to impress. I think that's kind of one of the baselines for being a musician or, or being an artist in general.
0: That's a good point. That is a very good point. Now, just to let you know, I did win First Artists Artist of the Year at the Josie Music Awards. And that's just because I do every genre. <laughs> and they did nobody else did it. Because I, um, I just love music and I like to do what I want to do. That's, that's the problem. With me. Um, if I'm feeling a genre right now and I want to write for it, I'm just going to do it. I don't, you know not it's not by their rules it's by natalie's rules i always say um what what is a quote or a message or a thing that you like to use to push yourself
1: i use this thing that my dad has told me before every show as long as i can remember which is abc always be confident amen something that i i use Every In every aspect of life, whether it's going into a midterm or it's singing on television or it's even writing a song, you know, you have to be confident within your most sensitive, intimate and alone moments, but also in the most exposed moments on stage in front of hundreds of people. I think that that's something that a lot of people would be a lot happier if they also took that with them and they also remembered that. Uh, and, and it shows, you know. Some of my friends would say, "Oh, they describe me as a confident person," but that comes from my father and what he taught me growing up. And same thing with with my mom. She displayed confidence. Mm. She exemplified it where my dad told me literally with the words. So I feel like I was really surrounded with that from
0: both sides. That's awesome. That is so. What's coming up next for you besides your your new release in November?
1: Yes, so um, after my new release in November, there is going to be another single that I'm planning on releasing sometime, perhaps maybe around the new year, Date Is To Be Determined. And this is another song that shows a completely and totally different um, side of my musicianship that's different from this jazzy ballad, but um, which is also different from the kind of dancey pop electro jam of that was reputation and i'm really excited for this song because it is within the same vein as reputation and as a previous song that i released forget my name they're all about a very similar situation and who knows maybe one day there will be an et that tells the story of all of these songs
0: fantastic fantastic well camille thank you so much for being on chatting with net i'll be chatting with you tomorrow at 8 p.m. on Instagram Live. I can't wait for that. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a rocking time. Now, if anybody wants to find Camille Rose on Instagram, it's the dot Camille Rose. She's on Facebook. She's on TikTok. She's on YouTube. We'll find her. But check us out on Instagram Live at Sisters in Music uh, 1 on Instagram because we're at 8 p.m. Eastern we're gonna have a rocking time thanks again Camille you were wonderful thanks for being on chatting with Nat until we see you tomorrow thank you so much you're welcome and that was Camille Rose singer songwriter Camille Rose until next time on chatting with Nat <laughs>